are in week five of our relationship sermon series called Doing It Right. Last week, Pastor Steve shared with us, it's the little things in marriage that, that can lead to big blow-ups, that can cause major situations. Remember, we learned about the little foxes. The three weeks before then, if you were single and you're just coming now, go back and listen to those. We have podcasts. Go back and listen. It's all about uh, getting relationships, doing it the right way when you're single. Next week, we're going to look at fighting, fighting in marriages, because none of us ever have that, right? None of us ever have that opportunity to fight with each other, but here's what we know. If you are throwing punches in order to win a battle, all you're doing is bruising somebody and you're not growing, which means you're going to have two very, very unhappy people in the house. So uh, we're going to hear all about how to fight fair. But this week, I get the privilege of talking to you about sex. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there are so many things I can't say and, and so many things that I'm afraid I'm going to say. So if you want to say a little prayer in your head for me, I would appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, but but it, it's a, at first, if you have a child in here or if, at any of our campuses and you have not had that talk with them, you do not want me having the sex talk with your child right now. I assure you they will walk out of here with many, many, many more questions than um, what you probably want to deal with right now. So please feel free. It's going to be like a PG-13 sermon. Uh, feel free to go out and uh, check your child into Journey Kids. They'll appreciate that. You'll have a, uh, a much less question-filled afternoon, I assure you of that. But <laughs> So here's what, as I started to look at, and I started to go background of sex, here's what I think I found, and I think where we need to start. I think sex, to most of us, is like the towel rack in my bathroom. And this is, this is to take a step back. We're going to talk about doing sex right, but first, I don't think we're all on the same page, and I think a lot of us are like that towel rack in my bathroom. See, I have three children, Elsa 11, Grady 8, and Lily 5, and each one of them has used that towel rack as a rung on a ladder to climb up on a stool to brush their teeth. They've twisted it, they've bent it, they pulled it out of the wall. I've walked in and I've looked down and been like, how does a towel rack, it's not even the towel. I'm lucky, I'll take the towel on the floor. It's the towel rack laying on the floor. But, but this, is, this is it. This is where I think many of us are with sex. We've used it for something that it wasn't meant to be used for. And it's just laying there. And it's just, it's broken. It's pulled out of the wall. It's bent. It's marred. It's not you can't use it. Here's the greatest thing. And I want you to leave here with this because I know whenever we talk about sex, there are such deep, oh, as pastors, we hear such, such horrible stories and there's such deep wounds. Know this, know this before we go anywhere else, before you go anywhere else, it can all be fixed in Christ. Everything can be made, made new in Christ. So even if you bear that, even if, even if, that sex that, that, that you, you've had or, or the sex that you've seen, even if it's left you to a point where, point where you feel broken, there's time. It's not the end. It's never the end. So keep that in the back of your mind. But let's take a look back. Let's see what, what God made sex to be. So let's go back to Genesis 2.23. The man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she has... For she was taken out of man, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This is the creation of man and woman, and they stand there, and they're married before God, and they have sex. God was there. 
It didn't come out of nowhere and God's like, oh my goodness. They're standing there. They felt no shame in front of God. And see, that's where God wanted it to be. He's like, I'm here. He's in sex too. He's in sex, whether you know it or not. He is part of that experience as well. See, unfortunately... The, the garden and, and, and the beauty that was in sex and the beauty that was created in sex, it didn't last long. The very next chapter, uh, Satan comes in as a serpent. He, he distorts the interpretation that the, the man and the woman had. And then they sinned. They did something that's wrong. For those of you that aren't from church, they did something that was wrong. And the first thing they did was they looked down and they said, we are naked. And they ran and they hid and they covered themselves up. And it was the first time that God's beautiful creation was distorted. And I think we can all look now. You can do a quick search on the internet. You can, do, you can look outside the window. You can drive down streets. And you'll see it just kept getting more and more and more and more distorted from God's plan. See, many of us have this idea of, of and what it's become is sex is a God, lowercase g, lowercase g God. It's something that will get me into manhood if you're a man, or you become a woman when you got this. It's a rite of passage. It's this thing that you do to get somewhere, to you use it for what you want, or it's just strictly pleasure. It's, it's a God of pleasure for you, and you just keep using it and using it and using it. Or it's something that's gross, it's disgusting. It's something you don't want a part of because maybe there was a bad experience or, or it's just it was always told you was something gross. Maybe some of you are standing here like, why are we talking about sex in church? You think it's gross. It was in the beginning. God stood there. It was good. It was so good. But it's been so distorted. See, sex was meant for this. This was the time, whenever we get in a relationship, you have high emotion. Emotion's up here, right? So emotion stays, stays level, and eventually emotion drops off, right? Anybody's been married 30 years? 30 years? Oh, okay, 20 years? There we go. Yeah, there we go. All right, all right. All, good job. All right. So emotion starts up here, and it's eventually going to fall. Commitment starts down here because you don't meet somebody. Hi, my name's Bob. We're going to spend our life together. If you do that, that's why you're single. It's a little weird. You don't want that. That's a little weird. So don't do that if you're single. Please don't do that. You could be single for a long time. But emotions up here, commitments down here, and then commitment ramps up, ramps up, ramps up, ramps up, ramps up. And look, they intersect at one point, and then emotion's going to fall off. It's usually a, a big fall. That is that point when emotion equals commitment. That's marriage. That's where sex was meant to be. It builds this stability. There's a stability in your relationship that can handle it. And God says, go, go. It's at that time. See, and, and at that time, it's when there's a sense of security that's reached by a couple. And there is freedom in the marriage bed for the couple to honor God both physically and enjoying one another. It's okay to have pleasurable sex when you're married. God meant it that way. He stood there in the beginning. He watched it. He condoned it. He said, yes, be fruitful and multiply. Here's what I don't want you to hear in this, in this sermon. And, and, and here's... I know there are a lot of people who have not done this right and who are currently not doing this right again. There is time to always walk in God's 
place. And I'm not here to condemn you. I'm, this isn't the church. The church is slamming this again. They're bad-mouthing this and they're doing that. I'm not. I'm sharing truth. I'm sharing truth straight out of the Bible. And if you haven't done it right, join the club. Okay. But there's still time. I, I, I want to tell you this now. I heard this a couple weeks ago. And it said... A uh, pastor said, because I, I always looked at blessing as being uh, this thing that, you know, God blessed me. And he said, God doesn't bless a person. He blesses a place. Because if God blesses a person, then it's on him. But he'll bless a place because then it's on you and me. So get to a place where you can receive God's blessing. And I think this is what I want for all of us. I said, I've done it horribly wrong. I've been out of God's blessing. And I've done it right. I've been in God's blessing. And it's unbelievable. It is absolutely unbelievable. Sex is a great, great gift from God. And it's meant to unify. And yes, it's meant to give pleasure in the right place at the right time. But it will leave the deepest, the darkest, the most painful wounds when it's not done that way. And this is why I think God gives us one of the, the big reasons God gives us the, uh, the Song of Solomon. Because today we're going to get a chance to read about great sex in a marriage. And we're going to get a chance to talk about that. And, and I can't wait to, to read it to you because we're going to get to see exactly what that looks like. And we're going to go behind the doors. But before we do, the first point I want to make about, about great, uh, great godly sex and doing it right is... It needs to start before you get in the bedroom. So it, it needs to start before you get to the bedroom. So we're going to go to chapter 4. We're going to close the door. We're going to be back there with a, a, a married, recently married couple who are, are both standing there naked. But before they got there, I want to show you how it started before the, the bedroom. See, Song of Songs 2, 4. He escorts me to the banquet hall. It's obvious how much he loves me. This is the New Living Translation translation of it so uh, but listen he escorts me to the banquet hall it's obvious how much he loves me the literal meaning of it's obvious how much he loves me is his banner over me is love married couples you are not going to walk into the bedroom stand there and if and have anything happen unless something happened before that and it's a word it's a word that's been lost it's going in military it's talked about in school it's talked about all over the place and it's almost forgotten in marriage it's a word called honor everybody say it with me one two three honor and it is such a huge word see this woman says that she can walk in a banquet hall and what is over her a banner a banner she walks in there what has her husband said about her that she has a banner over her that says love i guarantee it was words it was actions. It was so much more. Any married couple here ever talk to anybody and somebody compliments them on something and they're standing there and they're like, how the heck do you know that? How do you, how do you know? I, I do this every now and again with my wife, Sarah, and you're like, that, she's, Sarah's over in Limerick. Morning, hon. And, uh, and, and I'll be like, how do you know that? And they're like, Sarah told me. I don't care about the compliment. I, 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 I mean, the compliments are nice and all that, but I don't live for the compliment. But man, it gives me a feeling. Does it ever give you a feeling knowing that your spouse, your significant other, has said something about you? Like, they didn't talk. It wasn't, hey, your husband's really an idiot. I heard all about that, right? No, <laughs> no you've, heard, you've had those conversations too, right? That's the opposite of honor. That, that's what we're trying to get away from. But how much of a compliment is that? How many times do you think that happened to Solomon's wife, that she could walk into a room 
And the banner over her is her husband's love. Here's some other ways. I think we all know that we need to, to include our spouses in other conversations. But here's some other ways where I think we can show honor. Do what you did at first. Hold the door. Hold her hands. You know, here's one that, uh, that I'm ashamed to admit that, that I have problems with. And I've just recently realized. But I haven't been honoring my wife. My wife will ask me to do something around the house. And here's the thought process that goes into it. Um, okay, that's important and easy, and I can get that knocked out quick, or, eh, mm, and you just kind of walk away. Mm, you, man, you've done this. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three weeks later, hey, you remember when we had that conversation? Vaguely, uh, yeah, 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 I'll get that. I'll get Honor her by respecting her wishes. You know, she asked you to do something. If she could have done it, and if, if my wife could have done it, she would have done it herself. So honor her with thinking that what she asked me to do was important. Uh, that's one that I, I've been really working on. Here's another one. Uh, married couples with children. All right, men. Your woman, your wife has a bond with children that a man can, I, I think we can only begin to, to even understand it. it. It's a bond that was, you know, nine months of carrying this child and then agony, uh, uh, I don't know, I don't know how many hours. I know one of ours was 26 and that was a long time. But here's the other thing. Uh, honor her by honoring her children. I, I found myself at times been like, you know, I end up screaming at my kids. You'll have those days where you just end up screaming at your kids all day long. You're like, ah. Oh. And then you look at her like, hey, babe, how are you? <laughs> just, What? You're going to yell at your kids all day, and then you're going to, you're going to say, hi, how are you? Honor, honor your children. Honor your wife with the words. Honor them with all these things. And here, Solomon, in his later years, he's an old man, and he wrote the book of Proverbs, which is just a bunch of wise sayings. And I love what he says in Proverbs 26.1. He said, like snow in summer or rain in harvest, honor is not fitting for a fool. We could choose not to honor each other, and then we're showing that the other person that they're a fool. And I don't think that's, that's the basis for intimacy anywhere. It has to start before the bedroom. It has to start before the bedroom with honor. And then after it's outside of the bedroom, then you get to the point where we are now in chapter 4 where you can close the door. They're married. Everything's good, right? They're both carrying each other's banners. You're going to carry a banner of something. Both of their banners say love. They have honored each other. And here they are behind the bedroom, bedroom doors. Song of Solomon 4. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair like a flock of goats ascending from Mount Gilead. Your teeth like a flock of just shorn, uh, sheep just shorn, coming up from the washing. Each has its twin. Guys, smooth. You got all your teeth, baby. You got all your teeth. Your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of pomegranates. Your neck is like a tower of David built with elegance. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. This man just closed the door with his, his bride. And what does he do? He continues with words. And this is exactly what he does not want to do. Man, this is exactly what you or I would not want to do. And probably didn't do. And here's the deal. Men and women, if we haven't noticed, are wired very, 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 very differently. See, men are wired by sight. They're, they're, they're wired by visual images. And women are wired for audible images. So let me put it real simply. Women, you became hot to your man when he saw you for the first time. Men, you became hot to your woman 
when she heard you the first time. And this is where men's greatest weakness in communication comes from. Men, if you are married, if you're in a relationship, your greatest weakness is communication. I would be willing to bet. I would put a lot of money down to it. Men, if you are single, your future greatest weakness will be communication and sharing it. So there you go. There's a little bit of insight. If nothing else, that was worth the price of admission. See, he stops and goes against everything he wants to do. And why does he do it? Why does he do it? Let's go back to Song of Songs 1.6. Do not stare at me because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of their vineyards. My own vineyard I had to neglect. He wanted security for her. He knew she needed security for that. And listen, I'm not talking. Look, our identities have to be made in Christ, okay? A, a husband, a wife, a spouse, anybody, they can't complete you. They can't fill a hole you have. But at the same time, at the same time, they can provide you security with the words. They can give you those words. Listen, th men, this is what a woman wants to know, that she is feeling more than a sexual desire, more than a sexual desire. She wants to know she is desired. She wants to know out of everybody, you chose me. You chose me. She, she knows that you have needs. She doesn't want it to be a duty. She wants it to be a privilege. And this, this, men, men, this is where porn kills. It kills because what we need to do, God has blessed every man. If you are married, if you're with somebody, blessed you with that woman. You know what he sees? He sees his daughter. He sees a vision of beauty that you and I can't even begin to understand. We can't even explain it. And when we go and we look at something else, what it does is it robs it. It robs our vision. You can't close your eyes and see that beautiful woman that you chose to be your wife. You see all these other distorted images that are ripping away. You can't open your mouth and continue with words because you don't even know what woman you're talking about. Guard yourselves, men. Guard yourselves. Here's what Jesus says in Mark 9, 47. And if your eyes cause you to sin, gouge them out. It is better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Man, you need to share. You need to communicate how beautiful your wife is. You need to feel exactly what God feels or just work on feeling how much he feels for her. You need to safeguard yourself away from that. I have two daughters and you know what I pray constantly? I pray constantly. I say, God, please start preparing a man that sees my daughters exactly how you see them. Men, make your wife your standard of beauty and she will always be beautiful. Then open your mouth and let her know she needs that security. Women, it may come out, you have white teeth and they are all there. It may sound that dumb. Don't laugh or you will shut him down. Thank you, hon. I do have my teeth. I went to orthodontist when I was young. Just take it in. Take it in. And I guarantee when you accept appreciation, when you accept words and you show that they mean something, they'll keep coming. You're together because the person loves you or loved you or had something at one time. Just got to get back there with your words. All right, you're going to honor. 
You're going to honor each other long before the bedroom. You're going to continue with affirming words. And now let's look at what, uh, what Solomon says now. Verse 4. Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountains, a mountain of myrrh and the hill of incense. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Now, he started with his words up here because it meant something to her up here. And now he's sliding down to where uh, he wanted to be from the start. But he did it in, in a different manner. He, he was very, very tender. And this is, this is point three, is, is doing sex right is tender. Now, let me tell you about Solomon. This is one of many times he talks about his wife's breast. Solomon is a breast man. All right? <laughs> There is a passage that's later on where he refers to his wife as a palm tree and he climbs the tree and grasps its fruits. What are the fruits of palm trees? Coconuts. So, but you have to understand where he is right now. He, he, he is looking at his wife and he is describing it. He is not jumping in. He's not going anywhere. He's looking at her. He's reassuring her. Do I have any hunters in the room? Man, I got I to gotta, I gotta take it a step back because I got to connect with you. Are, anybody hunt? Raise your hand if you hunt. Limerick, Plymouth Meeting, Royersford, hunt? Anybody? There we go. We got, oh, there we go. We got a couple hunt. All right. How many people go running into the woods going, I'm coming to get you, right? If you're a deer hunter, do you go out and you scream and you run and you chase down the thing that you want in the woods? No. You stalk it, you set up trail cams, you look, you set up a stand where you identify the food plots, you identify the bedding areas, you find the trails that connect one to the other, you set up some cameras, get some pictures, set up your stand, and then the deer, maybe you'll get that chance at that buck of a lifetime. Maybe he'll come out exactly where you thought he was. And the first thing you do is quick pull the trigger as fast as you can, right? Now, if you're a bow hunter, if you're a bow hunter, you wait, you wait, you wait, you wait, broadside. You're patient there. And that's where... That's where tenderness comes from. Tenderness is, is, is patient. There is nothing inside of Solomon that wants to do anything except you know what he wants to do. And he wants to go in there, but he stops. And he stops and, and he takes his time and he gives her assurance and he lets her know, okay, okay, we're just going to take our time. And he even says something that men and women, we can agree on, that it is a lie. He says, we are going to do this all night long, Right? We know that's a lie. He might try, but that, that ain't happening. That's, that's, that's far, 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 far-fetched. But he's gonna, he says he's going to give it a go. But this is, what it, this is what he does. I see you. I see everything I want. I see everything I want. But we have all night. We have the whole time. I want you to be secure. I want you to be calm. He is so tender in what he says. And here's the thing with tenderness. Here is the thing with tenderness. Tenderness, you can only be tender to someone. Tenderness is a warm, compassionate feeling towards someone else's desires. It's towards someone else's desires. I care about what you want right now. I care about what you want right now. Not my own desires. We know what he wants, men. And women, you know what he wants too. You cannot be tender to yourself. It can only be an expression towards someone else. It can only be an expression outward. Women... You need to be tender too. Here is what tenderness is not. I hate when you do that. Oh, that feels horrible. Get away from me. The man, look, 
The man wants to, wants to give you a secure place. It's inside men. It's what we want to do. Shouting, making him feel like he's doing something that you don't want him to do. It's one of the most painful things that can ever happen. And that's not to say that he should have what everyone... No, 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 no. Here, here's, here's some ways to... You know what I like? I like when you do this. You remember when you did this? I would really like it if you did this tonight. I would really like this. God, be tender. We forget that tenderness goes both ways, and it's not just a physical thing. It's with words as well. Husbands, work on tenderness. Work on tenderness. Women, guide your men to tenderness. We don't know this stuff. We're not that good. We're not that good. All right, we're going to keep going on. Song of Solomon 4. You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. This is gross that he's calling her his sister, and they are naked behind the wedding door. It doesn't translate to, to today's culture, okay? So just when you see my sister, it's a Middle Eastern thing that was back then. It's a, it's a different structure of the family. It's best friend. So let's read it as best friend, and I think it would give a lot of us a lot less cooties, especially if you're sitting here with your sister today. So... <laughs> You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my best friend, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine and the fragrance of your perfume more than any spice. Your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. The fragrance of your garment is like the fragrance of Lebanon. You are a garden locked up, my best friend, my bride. You are a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. She's a virgin. But maybe to the married couple, your wife, your spouse, they're still locked up. They're locked up to you. They're entrusted to you forever. And then we go on. Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates, a choice fruit, henna and nard. goes on to uh, smell really good. I'm just going to paraphrase that. You are a garden fountain, a well-flowing flo uh, water streaming down from Lebanon. Sex done right is passionate. Listen to the passion. I'm sorry, I read through it fast because we got a, we got a time limit here. But he, he just goes into it with such passion. And here's the thing that's lost. We look at passion, and I think movies have ruined this, because you see The Notebook, and it's a spontaneous act of two people tearing their clothes off in the rain, going at it, boom! And you're saying, I don't have that in my marriage. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no surprise. Here's the thing. We got we to separate lustful with passionate. Lust deals with physical attraction, physical physicality. It only deals with with everything that's physical and sexual passion deals with something more passionate think about it you can be passionate at work right you don't want to do weird things at work right you just want to be you're passionate you can have a feeling of passion and passions with a best friend see this led up to a point where solomon's saying you're more than just that girl i met you're my best friend you're my bride you're my wife and he goes on and on and and here if you've been married a while passion let me tell you how passion's ripped out Passions ripped out through finding a career. Passions ripped out through night school. Passions ripped out through kids. Kids are little passion killers. They're passion killers. They are. They kill it. And their sports and everything else they do. You need to be friends. That's where passion comes from. I, uh, growing up, I wanted a, a dog in the worst way. I always wanted a dog. And I didn't want any dog. I wanted a hunting dog. 
I wanted a German short hair pointer and I got one one day and I was determined to make him the greatest hunting dog that this world has ever seen so from the time he was yay big I read books I got all this stuff I did all these things and I went out to train him and you know what he did he tried to run from me as fast as he could I, I, I picked him up on the line of the next county I had people driving around looking for me with that dummy sitting in their front seat. <laughs> and the lady goes, is this your dog? I'm like, yeah, it's my dumb dog. Run him over next time. <laughs> I would take him out after work and I'd train him for three hours. I'd train him for three hours. And then I read something, changed everything. You don't need to train your dog to hunt. He was bred, bred to do that. You need to teach him, then remind him why he wants to hunt for you. Why did my dog, why would that dog ever want to be anywhere near me? I wouldn't want to be near me. All you're going to do, he's a puppy. And I'm trying to beat this, run this pattern, run that pattern, do this, do that. Trying to get all that stuff into him. Why would he want to be near me? I would have ran away from me. This is what marriages are. We've gotten this role. I'm role of husband. I'm role of wife. We're just going to go through it and we're just going to do our thing. Why would you? You guys don't even remember what connected you to begin with. It was a friendship that was there. Here's what I did with my dog. After I read that, I got convicted and I went out and I started playing with that dog three hours after work. And that dog was the biggest pain in the neck. He still rolled in fish. He still ran. He did all this stuff. But then one day, when we actually went hunting, he started hunting for me. And to the day he died, to the day he died, if I ever shot a bird, and you were standing there, or if you shot a bird, he would walk past you, and he would lay it at my feet. He knew who he was hunting for. Husbands, wives, become friends. Get connected. Put the kids away. There is no kids' sports. There's no children anything. That means more than the passion that you can have in your life. Do it today. Start today. Schedule a date. Just put your arm around each other. Do something today. Don't get crazy in here, though. I don't want to see it. I'm kidding, you can. Just close my eyes. But it's not spontaneous. You need to schedule it. You need to plan it. You need to do everything you can to remember why you love that person. Why you want to spend your life with that person. Become friends again. Reconnect. Great sex needs to be passionate. Lastly, Song of Solomon 4. Awake north wind and come south wind. Blow on my garden that its fragrance may spread everywhere. Let my beloved come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. Take me, take me, take me. And so on. See, women, I, I've been kind of tough on the men because we're as dumb as my dog used to be. But at the same time, it's sad to think that, that there are times where that, that women have held themselves or even in a couple relationship that one or the other has held themselves. See, the fifth point is great sex, do it sex right, needs to have mutual surrender. Women, if you withhold yourself, if you withhold yourself, and I'm not saying, it, again, it's the man's, it's the man's prerogative. He, every, he's got to do things right. But at the same time, it takes away that, that thing that he's longing for. He's longing to hold you. He's longing to, to be with you. You know he's got a ticking time bomb inside of him as well. He's wired differently with that. And any time that you would withhold that, it just, it rips a part of him out. 
And men, if you would ever do the same thing, who do you desire then? Why would your wife ask anything else? But where's your desire life? Paul tells us this in uh, 1 Corinthians 7. But since sexual immorality is occurring, he was talking to a sexually corrupt church. Does that sound like a world that, that you might be familiar with? A, sexual, a sexually corrupt world? I don't know. I don't think a whole lot has changed. So since everything is messed up sexually, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife with her husband. The authority, the wife does not have authority over, over her own body but yields it to her husband in the same way the husband does not have authority over his body but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourself in prayer then come together again so Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control mutual surrender is so important because when it comes down to it we will always default to self-preservation we will always default to self-preservation it feels good to me it feels good to me and I am going to guard that I'm going to go to that the second you said I do, it no longer, it no longer applies to you. It doesn't matter what you want. It doesn't matter what you want. It matters what that person over there wants. And this is where it goes, it goes horribly wrong. Because if this goes one way, then all of a sudden, it's that, it's that person that is just giving everything to marriage. And this person, why would I do that? It goes both ways. It goes both ways. Mutual surrender goes both ways. that to have great sex and I'll tell you right now there is no way there is no way in any of our campuses that you will have a great marriage without doing sex right there is no way God intended the very first marriage he lays out there and he shows us exactly what it looks like you're there you're together you're in front of me you commit forever and then you have sex he laid that out there and you have time to make it happen everybody you have time to make it happen. If your sex life and you're married and it has been wrong, you have all the time in the world. If you are doing sex outside of God's plan, there's time to do it right. There's such time to do it right. And I want you to see what happens. In the, I want you to see I, what I believe in the very next chapter in uh, Song of Songs or Song of Solomon 5, 1, at the end of it, you'll, know, you'll see a note in your Bible if you read it. It said, words said by friends, or it says by friends. I, there are certain scholars don't believe it's by friends. They think it's actually God. And I would say so as well, because what friends would be behind a closed door when after all that stuff's going on? So I tend to think it's God. And here's what God says. Eat friends and drink. Drink your fill of love. God wants this for all of his children he wants a secure sexual relationship that is pleasurable to both parties and it is something that unites it unites a married couple forever god wants this for you start today start today if you don't have it start today if you have it don't get lazy 